the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. During the pandemic, something happened to me and my family that I vowed never would. It happened to quite a few families, um, and that is we got a dog. We got a dog. We were one of those, and I had always vowed I had three little agents of chaos already in the house. I didn't need another, didn't grow up with dogs. Um, and uh, you know, I've been told never trust someone who doesn't love dogs, so I guess I was untrustworthy my whole life. We never had dogs. I put my foot down, I said, no, we will not be getting a dog. And then the next week, there was a dog in our house, a little terrier named Violet, and as if, uh, that isn't cliche enough. I am count myself among the dads who are against dogs that come to fall in love with their puppies. So little Violet is near and dear to my heart, and we missed her when we were at the beach or something in the summer. And so I'm here to tell you this morning that I was wrong. I was wrong about dogs. I was wrong about dogs. And so, in my wrongness, I've done something uh, that, uh, you know, the most pious Christians among us do, uh, and that I look to the Bible to see, you know, how can this new relationship in my life be informed by the biblical witness? And so I looked up uh, what the Bible has to say about dogs. And uh, do you know that dogs are mentioned 40 times in the Bible? And with the exception of the passage we just heard read, eh, it's not good. Um, I'm not sure they get a fair shake. Let me, let me read a few of them to you. In the book of Judges, we read that Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate the ones who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down and drink. In other words, the people who reminded God of dogs were the same ones that he decided were not fit to fight in the army. Okay, that's, that's all right. But then a little further, we come across the book of Proverbs, and we read that icky, icky verse, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. I mean, gross. And that's one of the verses about dogs that's repeated in the New Testament in 2 Peter. But surely there's some positive things about dogs, right? Uh, well, Isaiah, speaking about Israel, has this to say. Israel, uh, they are like dogs with mighty appetites. They never have enough. They all turn to their own way. Each seeks his own gain. Gosh, Isaiah, that's not very kind. Dogs here are being used to describe human appetite in all of its voracious, selfish, undisciplined guises. Okay, well surely the New Testament switches course and dogs get a fair shake. Uh, well, in his letter to the Philippians, Paul uses the term as an insult, referring to those insisting on circumcision for adult male converts to Christianity, saying, watch out for those dogs those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. What? I mean, the anti-dog sentiment seems to be ramping up until you get to the book of Revelation, 
where John describes the new Jerusalem, the tree of life, and the city of God, and the kingdom come, where everyone seems to be having a good time, except outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. <sighs> dogs is the term here being given to the forsaken and the worst of the humanity. So what am I to do here uh, I, as a person who has come to love dogs? Well, I turn to the words of Jesus. Surely Jesus himself was kind. I mean, Jesus had, you know, he loved children when nobody wanted to give them any attention. Jesus ate with notorious sinners. He forgave adulterers. So then why is he in the Sermon on the Mount saying, do not give dogs what is sacred? Do not give pearls to swine. Another derogatory comment about dogs. My friends, I think we can only conclude that the Bible is just wrong <laughs> about dogs. They, none of these writers had watched Bluey. They, they're, they're out of sync with the times. Uh, they haven't met Violet, certainly, my dog. <clears throat> I mean, of course, when these dogs are not themselves being put down, but rather their traits are being highlighted that dogs seem to possess, and they're applied to a description of people. Dogs are used as a portrait of relentless appetite, myopic self-interest in the pursuit of the id, feeding all the time. This summer, we were visiting some family in Michigan and beforehand, we got them their favorite sandwich from a town a few towns over. And, and they said, whatever you do, do not put it on top of the kitchen counters because our dog will get it. This dog has intelligence, and it uses its intelligence for one single purpose, and that is to get the food, wherever it may be. Dogs, uh, you know, they, they, they are one-track mind, and they do not care about upholstery. Um, and they have a way of manipulating us for the sake of their wants. The way that my dog looks at me sometimes, I, I'm just putty in her hands. But, you know, it's kind of, I mean, if you, if you put yourself in the position of the, the writers of the Bible, perhaps it's, they're, you know, they're on solid ground speaking disparagingly about some of these traits. Our appetites, our sort of wanton self-interest when it applies to humans, this does produce, you know, hurt and dysfunction and isolation and regret. Uh, the fact that we are creatures of appetite is not flattering, and it does not um, make for a happy world very often. And so then, fortunately, we come to this morning's gospel reading, this remarkable encounter that Jesus has with the woman who, and this woman has a counter-biblical take on dogs, a refreshingly uh, new and upbeat, positive understanding of the canine species. Now, what happens? Well, there's a woman who comes to Jesus at her wit's end, and she's a Canaanite woman. So to say that she's a woman and a Canaanite woman would mean to say that she has very little status. She is not only not part of the patriarchy, but she is outside of the circle of blessing that, that relates to the children of Israel, a 
Canaanite would be outside. She's an outsider. The cards of this society are stacked against her. And yet not only does she have no status, she's also got a major problem. And her problem is her daughter. Her daughter is tormented, we find out, by a demon. Something supernatural has this daughter in her grip, in its grip, and she cannot, the mother cannot do anything about it. She has no leverage over this malady. She has no power. She has no control. She has no control. And that, fortunately for her, is where she encounters Jesus Christ. And when she encounters him, she simply cries out, Son of David. That would be the Jewish term for the Messiah. She says, have mercy on me. She wants mercy. She needs mercy. And she was the recipient of no mercy from anyone. And so she cries out to Jesus, she worships him. She says, Lord, help me. The disciples in their characteristically obtuse way say, send her away, Lord. We don't want to have anything to do with her. And he doesn't respond. He sort of goes cold. He lets the, you know, the hummus get a little cold, right? Uh, he, he just sort of ignores her until finally she says, Lord, help me, which is actually translated, Lord, save me. At which point he, he ups the coldness. He says, I can't give the children's food to the dogs. Another put down. And that's when the woman comes in with the great justifying beautiful expression of canine love. She says, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. And immediately we're told her daughter is healed. See, what is she saying about dogs? She's saying that dogs look to their owner for sustenance and care. They beg for their food with the humblest of expressions. Puppy dog eyes is what we say. They are, full, they are creatures not only of appetite but of dependency. They are at the mercy of their masters. They portray humility and an upward-seeking posture which to Jesus' way of thinking reflects great faith and a proper understanding of life. It's right in sync with what Augustine says about coming to Christ. He says, the way to Christ, to Jesus Christ, is first through humility, and second through humility, and third through humility. This is where dogs can teach us so much. Of course, that's not all they can teach us. They teach us a little something about unconditional love, don't they? This morning I, sp I preached about uh, this ridiculous sermon, and the uh, the people who came up to me t thinking about their dogs, their childhood dogs, the dogs that they currently have, the amount of love in their eyes was just palpable thinking about these creatures. Dogs are easier to love than people. They're far more happy-go-lucky. <laughs> They're far more consistent. They're less complicated. Just feed the dog and they'll be fine. I'm speaking about myself there too, but I mean, people... People are difficult. They're hard to tolerate. They can be very ugly. They can be very entitled. They're passive-aggressive. They're self-pitying. People can be harsh, forgetful, inconsistent, and selfish. Even though we know better, we can be very, very merciless, especially when it comes to separating the insider 
from the outsider, those deserving of blessing and favor and those undeserving of it. I think this sort of mercilessness is on full display today. You know, the internet is a merciless, merciless place. The economy is merciless. Politics are merciless. The media is merciless. Traffic, once the students get back, is merciless, right? Well, Thomas Merton, the great Catholic monk, once wrote, in hell, there's everything but mercy. In hell, there is everything but mercy. Well, if that's the case, the Canaanite woman is trying to get out. She knew, or at least she trusted, that God had the answer to all that concerned her. This was the shape of her faith. She knew that a single crumb of God's mercy would be enough to satisfy her completely. And so she gives us and those obtuse disciples a lesson in what faith actually looks like. In a merciless world where there are insiders and outsiders, and the truth is we all feel like outsiders most of the time, living faith takes the shape of a desperate Canaanite woman crying out, for her sick daughter. This woman who, yes, doggedly pursues yeah, <laughs> the gospel hidden under his rejection. She somehow hears a yes under the no. She trusts God's character above how he seems to be treating her in the moment. She's got the kind of faith that here's a yes buried inside a no, that knows somehow that what Paul writes about Jesus is true, that in Christ every answer is yes. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where the mercilessness of the world is hitting you. I don't know where you feel like an outsider. But perhaps you can give, be given a glimpse or receive a glimpse of what that woman saw. Perhaps you can, you can look to the one who not, who not only gives mercy but, but is mercy to see that God has blessed you and I with so many things, friends, families, children, backpacks, or at least a beautiful morning. This is the Christ, the Jesus, the God who relates to us, those of us who are wrong about so many things, least of all dogs such that we pray each and every week at this service, the prayer of humble access, where that Canaanite woman's words live on, immortalized in our liturgy. What is that prayer? It is this. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Come to find out when God gives you faith, you realize that no matter what, you have facing you. No matter what mercilessness you have been saddled with, you are not a dog, but a child of the living God, 
who gives you not scraps, but the full banquet of his body and blood, the prop whose property is always to have mercy, to assure us thereby of thy favor and good, uh, goodness toward us. Not just us, but you. You, yes, and your dog. Amen.